think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, everybody. Welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we are here to talk about movies and various other things, have a little fun, and, uh, you know, do all the usual things we do. If you're a new listener or watcher, then you probably don't know what those things are. But if you've been with us for a while, then you know exactly what you're in for for the next, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, a little bit of fun, a little bit of laughter. We might talk about the film. We might not. No, we will. And, uh, yeah, and talk about some other bits and pieces. And who knows where the conversation will take us. But as you know, if you've watched us before, if you're watching this live on Facebook, uh, on YouTube, you can leave a comment where the video is playing and we'll be able to see it and we can throw it up on the screen if need be. You can join the conversation, the discussion as and when you see fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Phil, um, we've got some fun stuff to talk about tonight, but it's a, I think it's a fairly simple lineup, if you will. Why don't you tell people what it is we are uh, talking about in to this episode? Yes, we'll be going after the ending of 1993's In the Line of Fire, Clint Eastwood. John Malkovich, and lots of other good people. And then we'll be talking about the last five films we have watched. Yes, that's kind of our, our little wrap-up of sort of the films that, you know, it's a mix of things we've watched in theaters or on video or whatever, but a lot of times it's stuff we can't do endings for or things like that. So it's kind of nice to be able to, you know, bring up some films that don't necessarily fit into any structured format, but just things we've watched and uh, that we want to talk about. So we should have a pretty good time with that. Yeah, and those five films can be absolutely anything, but it has to be the last five films. We can't... We can't leave out anything which might be a little bit. Ooh, yes, which unfortunately definitely uh, bit me in the rear end a little bit tonight in that one of the films I watched was not very good. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to talk about this film. I have nothing to say about it. But, you know, it's the most recent one I finished. So I was like, well, I guess I'm talking about it. But mm-hmm. we do stick to that, which makes it interesting, I think. It makes it yeah, interesting. You do, sometimes you do see some strange films or not so very good films, depending on when you're flicking through the channels or streaming or whatever. That's, yep, uh, yeah. that's what's coming up there. We'll also be talking about some recommendations at the end, which can be anything and everything. It doesn't have to be film-related. Exactly. Tonight's episode. There we go. All right, well, let's dive into the after-the-ending portion. Uh, we're going, as you said, after the ending of 1993's action thriller in the line of fire. Um, Clint Eastwood film. It was a big hit back in the day. Uh, before we get into talking about the movie itself in terms of the what happens in the stories, Phil, uh, how do you feel about In the Line of Fire? Well, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I do really like it. I remember when it came out, I enjoyed it, and then I think I watched it on VHS or DVD for quite a few times. But I always liked the concept. It was a it was a modern-day Clint Eastwood at the time, you know, in the settings and everything. Uh, but it was also a bit of humor in it, considering what it was dealing with. Yeah, uh, quite like that. But a great cast. I mean, John Malkovich, Rennie Russo, uh, Dylan McDermott, Gary Cole, and it was it was a good thriller, real good idea, some great characters. And uh, I remember the first time watching it, you just didn't know which way it was going to go, what was going to happen, who was going to live, who was going to die. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I really enjoyed it. What about yeah. you? 
I love it, honestly. I think I think in the line of the in the line of fire is um, really one of I don't know if it's one of Clint Eastwood's best films, but but it's certainly one of my favorite films of his. You know, it's directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who had a, a magical run in like the '80s and '90s of just great films, um, some really big hits and and stuff, and some cult classics. But um, I just think it's a really taut thriller. It's got great action. It was Clint Eastwood playing someone his own age. You know. Yeah. Um, like you said, it's got the humor, it's got good characters, it had some surprises, there's some great scenes in it, and it's just like, I don't know, it just, it checks all the boxes for me. Like, I love action movies, but I, it also has, like, intelligence and smarts and, like, you know, and, and, and charisma, and it's not just mindless action, but there's enough action to where, you know, it's, it's pretty you know, pretty pulse pounding at times. And um, I, I just think it's like, you know, I've said it time and time again, like 90s action movies are like my spirit animal, right? Like that's yeah, sort of yeah. the sweet spot for me. There's not that all my favorite movies come from that. And in fact, most of my favorite movies don't fall into that genre. But like, if I'm looking for something to watch on like Netflix or something, and I see a, a, a 90s action movie that I haven't seen in a while, I'm watching it, right? Um, and this is to me like the best of the best of those 90s action films. So I, I really enjoy it. I think it's a great film. Yeah, totally agree with it. Good film. Also had some of the, I don't know if it was one of the first, but it did have some of those bits where they took an early version of Clint Eastwood from some of his previous films and digitally inserted him into some footage to do yeah. with the, uh, the plot of the film, which I right, which was Yeah, I did too, because it was, you know, uh, nowadays they just like de-age actors with CGI, but that always looks a little more artificial. And I think like this was cool because they took existing footage from when he was young because he's been around for so long. Yeah. Now, how it holds up today, I don't know. It has been a couple of years since I've seen it. So maybe the special effects don't quite hold up in that respect. But it was it wasn't neat to be able to like, oh, look at this footage of Clint Eastwood. Like, it looks like he's really back there with JFK, you know, back in the days. Yeah, that was that was a good. I think I think there was something similar, but it no, it might not have been digital insertion like that. But I know in Terrence stamps the line. I think they I think they just used footage from one of his older films, yeah. from that to make uh, to be the yeah. character in the line being younger, which I always thought was a nice touch as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He might have done it with Michael Caine as well in, in one of the Austin Powers films. Huh, interesting. I don't remember. I don't anyway, remember, but... anyway. All right, so well, let's get into doing uh, our after the endings for In the Line of Fire. Um, I'll go ahead and give the breakdown, and then we'll figure out who's going first. So, In the Line of Fire, nineteen ninety three, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, uh, starring Clint Eastwood, John Malkovich, Rene Russo, Dylan McDermott, Gary Cole, John Mahoney, and Fred Dalton Thompson. So, a pretty good cast. That's an amazing cast, Jack. Good cast. Yeah. So uh, we meet Frank Horrigan a tough secret service agent who served on JFK or John F. Kennedy's detail the day he was shot and killed and is still racked with guilt over JFK's assassination. Uh, Frank and his partner are tipped off to an apartment that has a ton of pictures and plans for assassinating the current president. And Frank is then called by the killer who calls himself Booth, uh, an obvious name uh, name drop to John Wilkes Booth, um, who taunts Frank and tells him he plans to kill the president who's campaigning for re-election. Uh, Frank meets a fellow agent named Lily Raines, and they become romantically involved. Um, and at a campaign event, Booth pops a balloon, which Frank hears and, and mistakes for a gunshot and overreacts, which embarrasses the president. So uh, he gets removed from active guard detail, but is still somewhat on the case. He's not like sent home. He's just not like right on top of the president. Um, they find a print from this guy Booth, eventually find out his name is Mitch Leary. He's a former CIA assassin uh, who had a mental breakdown and now wants revenge against like, you know, his previous owners. Um, Frank and his partner find Booth and chase him across the rooftops, but Booth shoots and kills Frank's partner and gets away. So Frank is doubly guilty now, or feeling doubly guilty anyway. Later, 
uh, at a campaign rally at a hotel. Booth tries to shoot the president, but Frank jumps in the way, heroically saving him. He survives the shot because he was smart enough to wear his bulletproof vest. But Booth takes a man uh, in a hostage in um, uh, in a, an elevator, a glass elevator. And so Frank tells Lily, who's got them in their sights, to shoot because uh, he doesn't care if he you know gets killed. But Lily misses. Booth and Frank end up fighting. Booth ends up hanging outside the elevator and, you know, he gives a melodramatic little pithy speech and then he lets go and falls to his death. Um, he'd rather die than be captured. Frank is now well too famous to be a hero or to be like undercover or anything anymore. So he retires from the Secret Service and he and Lily visit the Lincoln Memorial, which is a reminder of the beginning of their romance. And that's the nuts and bolts of In the Line of Fire. Excellent. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. All right. So, uh, who's going first today? You or me? Uh, well, I can't remember who went first last time. But should I? You did the intro. Should I go first? If you want to, it's up to you. I don't. Mine's not super exciting. So if we, if yours is super exciting, I'm happy to do mine first. We can save the better one for last. But like, if you feel the same way as me, I'm happy to go second. You, you, what do you feel? Yeah, mine's mine's probably just nice and easy. All right. Take it easy. You know, sometimes not all Clint Eastwood films. You know, action packed. He does just right. like fill out sometimes. If it, but if I'm if it's just four paragraphs of him playing jazz music, though, I'm out. I'm just telling you. Oh, well, I'll start off. Anyway, he, he blew the horn, and it goes... Bid -bid 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 -bid. No, right. okay. That's what I don't need. All right, well, I'll let you kick it off then. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Frank finds that he quite enjoys retirement. He was approached by publishers to write a book about his life, but he passed on that. Although he did make notes of the recent events, just, to, just in case he changes his mind. Instead, he passes his time traveling around the country and around the world and spending time with Lily. What had been a casual relationship gradually turns into an ongoing romance. Never totally fully serious because they still keep their own homes and and just like to do their own thing now and again. But they they are, I don't know what the word is. It is just them. They're the only people they see, but they just like to spend time together, but also time apart. And their life is very good. During his travels, Frank began taking photos of the people and places he visited. And it turned out he had a good eye for it. Lily let an artist friend of hers see some of the photos, and that ended up with an exhibition of Frank's work, followed by a series of books collecting his work, which proved to be very popular. And he made a nice little bit of money about it, uh, a little bit of money from it, and his name spread. He got a bit more famous, and it ended up with Time magazine approaching Frank to do a photo series of all the people who had been president. Frank ended up meeting all these presidents, some of them he'd known before, some of them he protected, some of them he met, and he found it very ironic that he was now shooting the presidents. <laughs> and he ended up living a long, happy life, much like Clint Eastwood does now. And that's my I like it. I like it. That's a great, that's a great pun. He's shooting the presidents. You you won me over with that for sure. Thank you. I imagine he does that. He never tells anyone that pun, but he always has a little chuckle when he's yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, very well done. Very well done. All right. So I guess it's my turn then. Okay. So, um, so like halfway through, I try to get a little, get a little it gets a little action-y. So like, if you want to throw in any sound effects or like little soundtrack music where it's like, dun -dun 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 -dun, like in the background, I don't, I'm not going to mind. You don't have to, no pressure. I'm just saying, I know you like your sound effects and your impressions and stuff. I'm so. not prepared. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. Oh. Um, okay. So uh, one year later, Frank is enjoying his retirement. He and Lily are still a couple, uh, and she's still active on duty in the Secret Service. The president was reelected, and Frank tries to enjoy the simple life, although he still misses being on duty. Then, one day, he receives a letter in the mail. 
It's signed by Booth or yeah. Mitch Leary, whatever. I call him Booth because it sounds yeah, cooler. Yeah. But um, and it says, Frank, you may have thought I was gone, but I won't let you off that easy. Immediately alarmed, Frank tells Lily, who brings it to her boss. But the body that they found at the hotel the year before was confirmed to be Booth's, and with no fingerprints on the letter, they just presume it to be a hoax. The uh, Secret Service does set up an investigation, but, you know, it's pretty low on the priority list because no one really takes it seriously. Only Frank does. He begins to investigate it, which causes some tension between him and Lily because, you know, she thinks he's starting to get obsessed. He thinks she should take it more seriously. But in order to help him, she reluctantly has the letter analyzed. There's no return address, and the postmark is too broad to narrow things down. But a fiber is found in the envelope. It turns out to be a rare animal hair. Thank you. (laughs) Frank tracks it to a zoo in New Jersey, and when he checks the employee names, he finds a custodian named Dexter Leary on the list, the same last name as Booth's real name, Mitch Leary. (sighs) Frank approaches him in the zoo and starts to gently question him, but the man instantly runs. Frank chases him down and catches him, and the man confesses that he's Mitch's brother, and he wanted to kill Frank as revenge for Mitch's death. But Dexter manages to get free and pulls a gun on the unarmed Frank, just as he's about to kill him, a shot rings out and Dexter falls to the ground, thank you, with a bullet hole in his shoulder. Frank turns around and it's Lily who decided to Frank take Frank's hunch seriously at the last minute, came to the zoo as backup. I'm just glad you didn't miss this time, Frank says, as the EMTs and the Secret Service <laughs> agents begin to arrive and take Dexter into custody. And that's that's the end. You can probably do that better than me. Give me a Clint Eastwood version of that. You're the famous impression guy on this show and you haven't done too many lately, so... Give me an impression of Frank, of, of Clint Eastwood saying, I'm just glad you didn't miss this time. I'm uh, just glad you didn't miss that time. <laughs> that's actually pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's been a while since we had a good impression, but that was that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. I was trying to think how to do John Malkovich as well, but... Oh, no, right, right, yeah. No sounds, no, no, I can't do it. Yeah, you need some time to prep John Malkovich. Yeah, it ends up becoming with Werner Herzog. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, so there we go. That is, uh, that's my after the ending. Oh, very good. I like that. Thanks. Yeah, I wanted to do a little something with some action or whatever, but uh, I, I I always wanted to make it like his brother or his kid or something like that. I didn't want to bring him back because I thought that would be, because, you know, it's not that kind of movie, right? Where the bad yeah. guy comes back yeah. from the dead. Um, so then I was like, twin brother. And then I was like, okay, let's settle down. It's not that, you know, it's not face off. You know, it's not like this crazy, ridiculous, you know, movie. What's funny is, though, I didn't write it into my story but i, I kind of headcanoned it and i had the same exact thing for frank and lily in terms of their relationship being like kind of casual but kind of serious right like they kept their own yeah, home yeah. but they were still together you know like i kind of had that same vibe it's kind of funny so i think that means that the movie did a really good job of portraying the characters you know because yeah, we both sort of saw that for them that's it i reckon they really love each other but they, right but they they're just like settled them. in their ways they're both and neither of them are like kids they don't need to like get married or whatever they just kind of do their thing you know and they're happy Yes, that's uh, Lillian Frank's life. I'm what a nice life it is. That's right. That, uh, I believe the original subtitle for In the Line of Fire was actually In the Line of Fire, colon, The Romance of Frank and Lily. Because I think <laughs> it's, it's pretty well known as one of the most romantic movies ever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. Wolfgang right Peterson. There with the the love story and, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, love, love, uh, love Actually. You know, it's up there with those. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, that's the endings of In the Line of Fire. What do you think of In the Line of Fire? Um, yeah, let us know. Let us know yeah. what you think happened to the characters. Let us know what you think of the movie. We're always happy to hear. Um, I think it's a great movie. Hopefully you guys do too. If you haven't seen it, definitely worth watching. I think it holds up pretty well. Yeah, and if you've watched it recently, let us know. Does it still hold up as well as it is? Because I think it must be about 
almost 10 years since I last saw it. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. All right. So now it is time to jump into our top five list. Uh, This week, of course, is a a feature we use semi-regularly. It is not a top five per se. It is a last five, which is the, the last five movies we watched. And as we said earlier, it is basically we just look at what we watched recently and we talk about them it's a great way for us to talk about some movies we wouldn't normally get a chance to bring up because they probably don't make our top five list they pro- they're probably not movies we have the endings for sometimes they might be but you just never know because it depends on what we watch but as phil mentioned right it's what's our rule phil it's got to be in there no matter what it is you've watched it's got to exactly. be it's yep. a lot five it's got to be in exactly can't skip any i'm pretty sure i stayed true to that now i'm now i'm second guessing myself but i think i oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and oh, while we go through this, if you're watching this and if you want to put down when we talk about like a film, if you think one thing about your last five films you've done, you can always put in the comments, like in, in order the way we've been doing it. We can mention which films you've been watching. You might see which is proven popular at the minute, but uh, that's that's what we're going to do now. Absolutely. So do you want to? All right. Well, yeah. Well, I, I may as well start because you started off the last one. Um, so I'll start off this time. Um, so my number five is a film, uh, I think from last year, it's called The Requin. And I'm guessing most people haven't heard of it, but it's okay. You're not missing much. Yeah, I had to look it up too, actually, because it's a shark movie. And I like shark movies. You know, I like my creature films. Oh, yeah. And it turns out that Requin is like a French-derived word for sharks or some form of shark. Or I think it's something that has to do with great white sharks or something like that. Um, yeah. That's what it is. So it's got um, Alicia Silverstone and uh, James Tupper. So if you watch TV, he's kind of one of those TV actor guys. Um, and uh, it's the two of them. And they're they're in on vacation in Vietnam. They're staying on one of these like ho- floating hotels, like, you know, the little like hotel bungalow, like out on the water. And there's a hurricane. They get blown out to sea. Um, and then mostly through their own stupidity, they end up floating in the water instead of safe on their floating bungalow. And guess what happens? Sharks show up and then things start to go bad from there. Um, it's an age old story, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it kind of is, right? There's a lot of movies that fall into that formula. I like my shark movies and my creature features. Uh, this one just isn't that good. Like, it's, you know, it's the typical thing. It's like a couple that, like, you know, they're not happy. They're on this vacation to try and, because there was trauma. And, you know, it's like, okay. But, like, I can't, happy couples ever go on vacation in movies. I, I swear, it, it seems like it's only ever unhappy couples who go on vacation. I got news for you. Unhappy couples in real life don't always go on vacation together because they're not happy. Like happy couples go on vacation. So it's just a lot of them like fighting and stuff and whatever. And then sharks and you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Had a great like, you know, DVD cover type of artwork, you know, cover art. But the movie itself was kind of a dud. So that's my number five. The Requin or however you pronounce it. It's it's not great. Don't don't waste your time. Yeah, I just saw the Requin is a uh, French for shark anyway. So it's probably there the Requin. Requin, Requin or something like that, whatever. Yeah, it's a good point about that. Though. The couples usually do argue in those kind of films, whereas... I mean, you do, for drama, they often have conflict, but surely the conflict is between the humans and the shark, or the shark, uh, yeah. the humans and nature and things like that. Right, so. but it's you know super low budget, so they can only do a limited amount of you know shark footage, obviously. Yeah. So uh, here's what I say: I reckon you can find something better to watch. How's that? Boom, boom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, uh, my number five is a little bit better than that. It's uh, all the way back from 1984. It is this is Spinal Tap. Oh, nice. Uh, the, by Rob Reiner, 
one of the first best mockumentary films out there. The reason I've, I've watched it, it's been a while, but there was also talk of they're going to do uh, Spinal Tap 2, although I'm not sure whether they're Roman numerals or whether it's going to be Spinal Tap 11. But uh, they're do, going to do a sequel to it, which I quite like the sound of because it does fit in with the whole story and what's going on. But uh, re-watching this Spinal Tap, I always forget just how good it is. It's got so many quotable bits, so many funny bits. It just, it even, and it just, it doesn't seem old. It still seems fresh now because you still see bands like them or stories like that. And it just, it's just so good. And the songs and the, the talents of them playing them, the instruments and things are just so good. Really funny. And I was just so glad I watched it. Really, it was a nice uh, hour and a half or however long it is. But that was my fifth one. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. Very nice. All right, so my number four, and these are just, I did mine, I always do mine in the reverse order from like the yeah, most recent, to the, like, you know, from the most recent back to the, the, the oldest. So they're not in order of like quality or anything like that, obviously. Mm -hmm. So my number four is actually uh, one of my favorite movies I've watched this year so far. Um, and it is Uncharted, starring Tom Holland and uh, Mark Wahlberg, the, the big hit that came out earlier this year based on the video games. Um, I've never played the video games, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not a video game fan particularly. Um, so I wasn't, I was expecting a lot because I thought the movie looked like a lot of fun. I, I, just, yeah. I had no expectations for it in terms of the game, but I absolutely loved it. It is right in line with like your Indiana Jones type of movies, your National Treasure type of movies, right? It's that mix of like, you know, globetrotting adventure, but still lots of fun, you know, lots of energy, lots of humor, you know, a good cast, like just that, that real like adventure, you know, like. I'm not saying it's as good as the Indiana Jones movies, but like if you like that kind of movie where it's like adventure that doesn't forget that adventure is supposed to be fun, um, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's um, the, the action set pieces are terrific. Tom Holland is fantastic. Uh, him and Mark Wahlberg have really great chemistry together. Um, there's some 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 people in the supporting cast whose names escape me because they're not particularly well known, but they were great. Um, there's some nice behind the scenes features on the Blu-ray if you're into that kind of thing. But I, I honestly just, I just had so much fun watching it. I watched it with a big grin on my face from start to finish. And I already plan to watch it again with my, cause my, I watched it by myself, but my wife and daughter and probably my son, if I can convince them to watch a movie, um, I think they'll really enjoy it. So, um, I'll be watching this movie. I think, you know, many times over the next several years. So Uncharted is my number four most recent movie watched. And I loved it. Oh, excellent. I've still not seen it, but uh, I played... I think I've played most of the video, video games, though, and I've always liked them. I was, uh, I still wasn't sure about it, but I think I do need to give it a go. So it's, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, so I'll check it out when I can. Yeah, I mean, don't go into it expecting a like, cinematic masterpiece, but if you just want to go in and like watch a, a you know, a, a good fun movie um, that you're really going to enjoy, I, I think it's good. You know, it's kind of like um, it was the one that with uh, the Rock and Ryan Reynolds, the the Red Notice that came out. A Red Notice, yeah, yeah. You know, which did that thing of the adventure and the fun, but it was the two of them fighting so much it got kind of annoying. This movie doesn't do that. It's like it's like the fun part without the annoying part. So I, I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, yeah, that'll be good. I'll let you know when I've, I've watched it. Okay, uh, my next film is uh, from this year. It was on uh, Prime Video. It's uh, the con the contractor starring Chris Pine, Ben Foster, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, and a few other people. Uh, I quite enjoyed this. It's a bit. Dark and brooding, but it's a good action thriller. Took it took a bit of time to get going, but uh, Chris Pine is a, a a U.S. soldier who ends up getting uh, let go because he's been doing drugs because of a knee injury, steroids, and things like that. He gets taken on by this uh, private security military company, security firm, and has a mission in Berlin to 
takes some people out or no get some information but it goes wrong and then he's on the way he has to escape but it's lots of uh who to trust that kind of thing lots of people talking to him getting shots some good action scenes probably one of the more maybe i was gonna say more realistic maybe when it comes to the action scenes because people do get injured he's you know they, they get tired and things like that obviously it's i don't know how realistic it is but it seems to, i really enjoyed it it was a good thriller it reminded me a bit of things maybe from uh the early 2000s and things like that but it's could have done with a little bit more humor in places but uh it's uh, worth a watch as it as i said it's streaming on prime video at the minute in the uk so it's worth checking out if you have to do something uh, right, so, sorry Go on, so I'm going to glom onto you with that one because I, there's a movie I wanted to talk about, but it was my number six and I, I can't break the rules. But since you brought up the contractor, I'm just going to throw my contractor comments onto yours and then I'm going to cheat and add an extra movie in. Um, okay, yeah. The contractor was, was, was on my list too. It was uh, one that I have one of my most last five movies watched. Um, I, you actually said very much the same things I did about it. I think you liked it a little bit more than I did. I enjoyed it. I felt like it was awfully dark, awfully dour yeah, awfully serious yeah. not that it's a humorous situation but it's one of those movies that's just so grim from start to finish there's no opportunity to sort of be like oh you know let's let's take a minute to breathe here um but i did think that there were some really good action sequences i did agree with you as it seemed very realistic and how it approached the action and the injuries and things like that it's definitely worth a watch i just agree it could have been a little bit lighter in tone i think it, it could have been a little more of that fun you know could have been yeah. You can have action movies about serious subjects and still have fun in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but there you go. So that's that's going to be I, that's my that's my three and a half is what we'll call that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, that brings me to my number three, which is Hero. Um, this is not not that hero and not the other hero and not this hero or that hero. It's this other hero because it turns out there's about a hundred movies named hero. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the Dustin Hoffman one. There's a fame, a well-known martial arts movie. It's not that one either. It's a different martial arts movie. It's from 1997. Uh, it's directed by Corey Yuen or Yen. Um, it, it's his first film. He's pretty well known. Corey Yen. He's like a, a director and a fight um, choreographer who did, um, I think he did stuff on the matrix and some of the famous films, um, famous big, like kind of American action films. He did a lot of the stunt choreography for, he also directed the original, the first movie, the transporter. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, he's, and he's done a ton of, of movies in Asia. I mean, he's, he's been around for a long time. So this one, it is from 1997. Um, no stars that I would think are well known here in the U S or in the UK, but, um, it's basically like a, a period piece set in like the 19 early 1900s about a guy who um i don't know he's poor and then he gets involved with the gangs and he starts to become a gang lord but then the other gang lords try and take him down there's people get betrayed and there's some romance and this and that um it's 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 solid i'll say i enjoy the action sequences are fantastic as many of those movies are i mean they're like those yeah. ones that are you know five to ten minutes and it's like really intricate and people are using the, the things around them and you know really impressive action sequences um the rest of the film you know it's got the like forced humor with like the one character who's kind of an idiot. Like they do in a lot of those Asian action movies um, that takes me out of it a little bit. It's, it's a solid watch again, watch it for the action scenes and then maybe like fast forward through the, the drama stuff, but it's called here. I think it had a different name when it was released in Asia, but it's um, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, it is from 1997. Cool. Uh, oh, it's a remake of the boxer from Shantung. Okay. So, 
there, oh, what, there you go. That? Was that on streaming or TV? No, it's actually, I got the Blu-ray. It's a, it's a collector's edition came out from 88 films. They're doing some really nice like criterion level releases for like all the old Shaw brothers movies and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. Um, and a lot of those Asian martial arts films. So I got a review copy of that and, uh, and I watched on that. So yeah, I guess that won't help people a whole lot if they're looking for it on streaming. It may or may not be, I don't know, but that's how I watched it. Okay. Uh, good to know. My, my next uh, film is another one that was on streaming. I think it was, uh, yeah, Disney Plus, uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which I went into not expecting much of anything because I'd seen the trailer. I was thinking, oh, looks like, uh, you know, it could be interesting. Wasn't that bothered by it, but then it hit Disney Plus and then I started seeing people on my various social media things saying they'd watched it and they really liked it. Uh, some comparisons to Roger Rabbit's and then I put it on. Uh, on a Saturday, a Saturday morning, and just I thought it was hilarious. Really liked it. Andy Samberg uh, and John Mulaney, always in Chip and Dale, and it's just treating them as if they were actors. Uh, well, a lot like Roger Rabbit, and it, Roger Rabbit does show up. It is pretty much set in the same universe, as far as I'm concerned, as Roger Rabbit, because all the tunes and uh, things are there doing their own thing as well. And then there's humans and soul interactions. And I just I really like that the humor works. There's humor for kids. There's humor for adults. There's humor you know rude humor as well in places and things like that uh the animation is stupendous i love the fact that uh one of them is uh is now cgi and you you go well how what's that and it's because he had a cgi facelift or something that's what tunes can do I, I just it was really clever and there was so many things it's probably worth a couple of rewatches as well because there's Lots of uh, gags going on behind you, lots of puns, various TV shows like Batman versus ET. <laughs> yeah, right. just, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and so many characters from various cartoons, comic books, TV shows, and a great voice cast of various people. Uh, I love the Uncanny Valley bit. Uh, yeah. Just so many good bits. It was, it was a shame it didn't get a theatrical release. I don't think it I don't, didn't overhear. I don't know about no, the states, but it didn't, it didn't get on here either. Yeah, it was really, really good and uh, well worth checking out if you won the fence or you you weren't sure about it. It's a, a real. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Well, I, I can't draft off of you again, so I'll just count this still as my number two, but uh, that's my number two is Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Um, I've actually seen it twice. I absolutely okay. love it. It yeah. is fantastic. Um, and, and I can tell you, having seen it twice, you pick up on a lot of stuff the second time that you missed the first time around. So it is definitely worth another watch. And I actually plan to watch it again because I watched it both times without my family. Once was by myself once with some friends and i really think that the kids and my wife would enjoy it it's just delightful it is so funny the cameos like you said the visual gags the script is great like it's yeah. just it's really really well done i like i know like as an adult like when like my kids are old enough now they don't watch a lot of the kids movies anymore so i've missed some of the more recent like disney and pixar films and it's sort of like you kind of go like oh i gotta fit those in sometime but sometimes it's hard to get the motivation to watch like what is considered a kid's movie when your kids yeah. aren't watching them but do yourselves a favor and, and even if you've never watched rescue rangers because i was never a big rescue rangers fan yeah, i never really watched it much it is utterly fantastic you will enjoy it. it it's so much fun and it's just visually amazing um and it's hysterical and i love it and now i keep saying i pachanga all around the house I don't know if, you, <laughs> if you remember that scene yeah, yeah. um because that, that was like my favorite scene of the whole movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, two thumbs up, whatever you want to say. I probably can't say that, but five stars. Like, it's just, I loved it. Yeah. Well, like, as you said, it's, yeah, you could you could watch it with your kids, with your family, 
you could watch it with all your mates, you know, late at night having a few beers and things because there's just so many. It just works on so many different levels. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Work in there. Good, good. I good watched movie. it with a bunch of my comic creator friends. We were doing this little kind of creator get together, and we had just a bunch of movies playing while we were working on stuff, and we were all hysterical, just like cracking up. Like it's it's actually really fun to watch it with a crowd because it's you know it's it, we were just laughing out loud. Like we missed some of the dialogue because we were laughing so hard. You know, <laughs> it's really great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can All right, so that was my number two. Yeah. Yep, yep, should be your turn now. Okay, uh, mine is a uh, Top Gun Maverick. Nice. See that cinema? Uh, yeah, from Joseph Kosinski directing uh, some some actor called Tom Cruise. I think he's got a good good future ahead of him. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is the sequel to uh, you know. Top Gun, we all know, you've all heard about it. Even if you don't like the films, you will have heard about it. But I uh, I wasn't, I mean, I always enjoyed Top Gun. It was never, it's never one of the, my, oh, well, I must see, you know, I love it a bit. It's not, not like that. But then when this was being talked about, I was going, well, okay, yeah, I'll probably wait until it comes out on DVD, Blu-ray, stream, whatever. Uh, and then it hits the cinemas after being delayed a while. Then the reviews were coming out and then... Uh, People I know had seen it and things like that. And then I had a free afternoon and I was just going, well, what should I do? I checked the cinema listings and it was just playing there. So with my Odeon Limitless, didn't have to pay anything. So just booked, got, got the ticket, went and saw it. And I had a great time in the cinema. It was just, I thought it was a brilliant movie, lots of fun. Uh, a nice sequel. Uh, there's follow many of the same story beats, but different enough where, you know, it works well. I love the fact Tom Cruise is Maverick. He's the only thing he's got in his life is flying. That's all he wants to do is passion. And he's just the events in the first film. He's just drawn in on himself and he just wants to fly because that's his escape. That's that's how he identifies himself. Uh, but then he just gets called back in. Uh, just funny moments, great drama, great supporting cast. Some of them could have done with a bit more to do, like Jennifer Connelly, although she was still great. Uh, I like the new the new team. Um, yeah, John Hamm was great. And the action sequences, the fact they filmed it in planes made such a big difference. You can see all the phrases being pulled as they, you know, they pull heavy G's and things. But that it just shows how practical effects and filming and actual jet planes just make such a difference. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it again just because the action sequences. And I remember near the end as it was going on, I was I was moving forward and going, oh, oh no, are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? But it's just really enjoyed it. And then I wasn't quite punching it at the end, but I was going, ooh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm I'm glad that was in your five most recent ones because it was like 10 movies ago for me, so there's no way I could squeeze it in, but I really wanted to talk about it. So um, I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. It is hands down my favorite movie of the year right now. So um, if we did a top 10 movies of the of 2022 right at this moment, Top Gun Maverick would be my number one, hands down. Um, I, I thought it was brilliant. I just, it's amazing. And I feel the same way as you. Like, I love Top Gun. It's a great movie. Like, I like it. But, like, it's never been one of my favorite favorites from that era. Yeah. You know, it's not one of those movies like, you know, a lot of those 80s classic action movies I've seen like 100 times. I've only seen Top Gun probably like maybe three or four times in my life. You know, it's not one of those like, you know, go-to movies. It's, you know, it's great. I like it. It's, it's iconic, but it's not like a deep seated favorite. Um, but I thought Maverick was just 
brilliant. Like I love the way they did it. The way that, you know, it, it gets the right beats from the original, but it has its own feel to it. It's got, you know, I, I thought this, the romance worked well. The characters were good. There, the humor, the action sequences were incredible. Like you said, it looked great. Like you're flying real planes and using real footage. Like 95% of that was real planes. So, you know, tiny bits of CGI here and there to enhance or things that were impossible, but like it really was just, I mean, yeah, I was blown away. My wife and I both went to see it, and she loved it too. It's got something for everyone, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, when we do our top ten of 2022, I will guarantee you it will be in the top ten. Um, and yeah, you know, I can't guarantee you it'll be still be number one at that point because a lot of movies left to come out this year. But I'll be surprised if it's not in the top five at least. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, I think it'll be yeah. up there. So Good that's fun. that's my comments on what you have. My number one, though, and it only fell to number one. Again, this is not a ranking, so it's just the, the how far back we've watched them. Um, is something I am I'm excited to get the chance to talk about because it is the 1991 cinematic masterpiece known as Cool as Ice, starring one Vanilla Ice. Now, here's <laughs> oh the thing God. you have to understand about this movie, and I don't know... I don't know a way to explain this. It doesn't sound either weird or awkward or dorky or all of the above, but I don't really care, to be honest with you. So I'm okay with all of that. I've been obsessed with this movie since 1991, but I've never actually seen it until a couple days ago. Um, the trailer was, I was, I loved Vanilla Ice back in the day, like most people who were teenagers when Vanilla Ice was big. You know, we all loved him for a little while and I never stopped loving him. I think he's awesome. Like I'm, I'm totally fine being like Vanilla Ice is you know, cool as ice album rocks. And the trailers, this movie came out and it had the, the, the trademark line of, you don't know me. You don't know me at all, which me and my buddies used to quote to each other, like all the time, nonstop. And we would laugh at the trailer. Cause it looks so ridiculous. And like over the years, it's just sort of attained this like mythical cult status in my mind of cool as ice. And yet for the longest time, it wasn't on video or streaming or anything like that. And so I just never got around to actually seeing it. And then I was at this this thing with my buddies the other day, and my buddy had the movie. And so I was like, we have to watch this. And we watched it, and it was <laughs> glorious. I mean, it is it is um, just magical. You know, like, like it's, it's super cheesy, and it's bad in terms of that type of thing. Like, it's not like you're going to watch it and be like, this is a really good movie. Like, this is a well-made <laughs> cinematic genius. But, like... He's in all the 90s clothes, like the pants with all the crazy colors and this leather jacket and all the stripes in his hair. And the hair is like this big in the front. And like there's the romance and he's got his crew with him. And there's these weird moments of uh, completely out of place humor. It's sort of like a drama, but it's like a dramedy because there's all this humor. And some of it is like actually funny and some of it's like ironically funny um and it's like it's the kind of movie that only could have come out in 1991 and only could have had vanilla ice in it and i loved every minute of it it was fantastic um and he does a couple raps in there and they were great songs because i like vanilla ice so i just i thought it was fantastic so that's that's my number one most whatever you want to call it but cool as ice with vanilla ice um you know I don't know. I can't even recommend people watch it because I don't know what you guys will get out of it, but I had a ton of fun watching it. So if you're looking for something that you can kind of laugh at, but still sort of secretly enjoy, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the movie for you. That's how I'm going to describe it. Okay. I, I remember seeing the trailer a lot. I don't think I ever saw the film. Yeah. It was a complete bomb. I believe it. I, after we watched it at my friend's house, somebody told me, I think it was on Amazon Prime, which surprised me. I did not know that. I watched it sooner. But again, I don't know if it'll be in the UK, but for US viewers, it might be on Amazon Prime. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes they're good to watch. Mm -hmm. I've, I've watched a, a couple of other films or something for that kind of film one at the end. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Well, my uh, last film was um, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Oh, nice. 
the new the new Mission Impossible trailer dropped uh, a while back, and the next film's going to be out next year. But I thought I'd get watching some of them again because it's been a while, and it's sort of some of them being mixed up in my head about what happened. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't I didn't want to watch Mission Impossible two because that's rubbish. <laughs> uh, and so the, the only one I could find at the time that I had, uh, well, one in order was Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, and I've got the other somewhere, but uh, I put it on. This was the one from 2011, which has uh, Jeremy Renner, Simon Pegg, Paula Patton, Michael Nyquist. It's the one with the uh, the tower in uh, in the Kremlin. It's, it's the one with the Kremlin blowing up at the start, and the one with the tower in Dubai, things like that. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I really I forgot how much I enjoyed the. The Mission Impossible films. Yeah, I just like the way it just goes from. He's, he starts off. He's in prison. He gets rescued out of prison. This Russian prison. Then he goes. They drop. He stops off to do one of the phone calls, and straight away he's given a mission to break into the Kremlin after he's just got out of the prison. And this, and it's just, it's ludicrous. It's over the top. It's stupid. Uh, but they do it so well. And this yeah, podcast yeah. is really good. And there's all the gadgets, and you just they're going. Oh, what's going to happen? Is he going to? Is he going to get away? When's he going to run? Uh, all that kind of things. But uh, yeah. It's so many good moments, and it just none of it's wasted, and it's not. It never feels like it's rushing around, or you know, it's everything they do. The setup. There's a few bits where they're chilling out and talking and planning, and then some great, great uses of technology and made-up technology and things like that. I love the bit with the going down the corridor. They've got the screen, which is mapping the the guards' eyes with the the parallax scrolling, which still works. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next one. I've got to watch is. What is it Fallout or whatever? Well, anyway, the next one I'm gonna. I think they're all hitting Netflix in the UK over the next few months, so I'm right. gonna looking forward to watching them as well. So that's uh, that was it. Yeah, I, I like I love the Mission Impossible movies, um, but kind of like the uh, Fast and the Furious franchise, there's a definitive split between one through three and then four through six. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. Where four really sort of start. Well, three kind of starts it, but I don't think three is as good as four through six are. But it, yeah. it sort of starts the kind of the mythology, the continual storyline that sort of runs through them. Where, but you can still watch them and enjoy them kind of on each one. But I love them. I, I think they're all great, and I love that one. So that's a good pick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very nice. So there you go. Those are the last five movies we've watched, and uh, hopefully uh, you guys have seen some of them or share your thoughts on what you thought or what you've watched recently that you like. Uh, let us know. Yeah, it's always good to hear what you've been watching, and it's always quite interesting to see the mix of uh, new stuff and old stuff. Absolutely. It's always, and it's always good dipping back into some of the old stuff, and, but still good. And it always helps ourselves and the other viewers and listeners discover some new things as well when people start sharing. What they've exactly. Been exactly. All right, so that is going to bring us to our final section of the show, which is ATE Recommends. What are we digging on right now? So uh, so let's see. I guess uh, you went first, and I went first. So now it's your turn. Why don't you start us off with your recommendations? Yeah, I've just got one. It's uh, I was Over the weekend, I was at the UK Games Expo down in Birmingham at the NEC. Uh, It was great. Loads of games to play, loads of games to buy, loads of just really good fun. I bought this one. It's called Long Shot the Dice Game. Uh, which we played at the day, uh, and it's lots and lots of fun. One to eight players. It's you all. You all have horses. There are these lovely wooden uh, counters for everybody. There's eight of them. Uh, you roll a dice, uh, which determines which horse moves and how far it moves. And then, depending on which horse it is, it also causes other horses to move. And you've got like you all got a sheet where you've got to mark off your bets and do other bits and pieces. And you start, as it goes on, you're going, well, what's going on with this? But then you realize how you can start screwing up 
other people's chances of winning. You can move the horses backwards and forwards a bit and if you bet on other people's horses or you can own the horse and you get it's just there's quite a few different things going on which takes a takes a couple of couple of round uh, goes around to actually figure it out but when you do as we were playing it you could see people going ah okay yeah if i do this if i take that horse if i cross this thing off or i do this yeah and as it was getting near the end people got it's it started getting faster you know, <laughs> and things like this as people got to know the mechanics but also they wanted to just get it going around so i think if you're playing it with the same people uh two or three times it will just be really quick and really you start seeing the lots of different strategies and things coming up it has different cards as well for the horses so you can start off uh easy and as time goes on you can increase because every every horse if you own it it gives you little bonuses as well which really change things and stuff like that but it's uh it's long shots the dice game nice little box as well uh so it's worth checking out uh if you can find it somewhere but that's uh that's my recommendation for this week all right very good very good. All right. So I have two pretty quick recommendations. They're both comic books today. Um, so I'm going to show you. I don't, they're not even like the number ones or whatever. There's most recent issues. But uh, the first one is called Little Monsters. Um, it's by uh, Jeff Lemire and oh, yeah. uh, Dustin Gwen. And Jeff Lemire is one of the best comic writers out there. So highly recommended. Um, it's about uh, this group of children vampires. But it's kind of set in like a sort of post-apocalyptic world but not like your typical like with ruins and stuff it's more just like an earth where everyone has kind of been like killed off and it's like these kid vampires and they've been kind of like formed a tribe and <coughs> excuse me um now they just discovered like a living human which they didn't know there's any left of and then of course things start to take a turn as they start to give into their vampiric tendencies a little bit more so that's a really really good one. it's on issue four right now highly recommend it there's probably gonna be a trade paperback of the first five issues coming out soonish but look good. at that one i really enjoy it uh the other one this one which took me by surprise it's called past the last mountain um also up to number issue four i think this week but um this one took me by surprise it's by a writer named paul aller who i've heard of but i'm not super familiar with um but it's a, it's a square bound book. It's like five ninety nine an issue, which I usually don't dig on. Um, I bought the first issue because it sounded like an interesting concept, and I absolutely loved it. So what it is is it's the story of um, mankind and monsters after they went to war. So basically, it's like mankind lives alongside trolls and dragons and orcs and you know those types of things, and then at a certain point, the governments of the world decide they're gonna like they're not cool with them being free citizens and they're going to restrict them and put them into like camps and stuff like that. And okay. so this story tells the story of like a baby Yeti and like a troll, I think, and a dragon who like go on the run trying to find like this mythical land where monsters are free. So there's a little bit of political allegory in it, but right. not very much. It's mostly a fantasy book, but it's really, really good. And because it's this like sort of 40 page, 48 page square bound format, what he does is the first half of the issue is like the current story second half of the issue is short stories called war stories which tells the stories of when the war sort of was announced and it's like all these stories about like people and monsters who have like relationships that are getting broken up or like you know how things go wrong or how people betray each other and monsters betray people or people betray monsters and stuff like that it's really interesting and it's got some really good artwork and i've been really enjoying it. it's called past the last mountain um, first four issues, I believe, three or four are out right now. Um, it's kind of a sleeper, kind of a small company called CEX Comics, Comics Experience. But if you can track it down, I've been really impressed by it. That sounds really so, good. I like that. It sounds like some good world building going on there. Yeah, it, it's really well done. I, like I said, I was very much taken by surprise by it. I kind of bought it because I, I buy a lot of number ones to try things out, and most of yeah, them yeah. I never come 
back to. But that one that one really got me because, again, it was a bunch of unknown people that I didn't know that well, you know, and I was like, wow, this is really good. I'll try number two. And then number two was really good. And I've read number three. And it was really good. So I'm like, OK, all right, you got me. Cool. So those are my recommendations. Yeah, I'll try and track that one down. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. You may have to go to like a local comic store. I don't know that's going to be super easy to get, but it's definitely worth it yeah. if you can find it. Okay. Great. Great stuff. Yeah. All right. So there you go. We're going to keep it trimmed tonight because our last few episodes have gone a little a little longer, not too much within reason, but I think that's, uh, that's what we have to talk about tonight. So uh, Phil, anything you want to say before we start to wrap things up? Uh, no, I think we've covered everything. Some... Uh like the endings we've seen some good films we've had a bit of a laugh and uh, yeah. some nice recommendations yeah that little monsters as well sounds good that reminds it reminded me a bit of a, a kid's book well a book i read when i was a kid called i think okay. it was called horribles hmm. about some kids in london who they'd they were sort of set young maybe the 60s and 70s but the kids sort of like ran away from home and yeah. they ended up uh, changing, mutating, like uh, like pointed ears, and they were just like formed gangs and stuff like that. But there was, and they were chased down by like a government agency who, who mm. took their ears. Interesting. Well, just, um, it's, yeah. I mean, it sounds it sounds like a kind of similar vein type of thing. Yeah. So if you like yeah. that, you might like this one too. I, I think it's really good. So definitely worth a worth a track down. That one will be a little easier to find because it's from Image Comics. So yeah, yeah, cool, good stuff. All right. Well, there you go, everybody. That is going to wrap up our episode. Um, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks, as usual, with another movie to go after the ending of, some more interesting things to talk about, another top five list, and all that good stuff. So, um, as always, thank you very much for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the ending.